I um I was chatting with Brendan um, just when I got here, and he asked me a, a simple question: "How are you?" And I feel like there's been a tear in the social contract that we have as humans since the pandemic about how to answer that question. Prior to the pandemic, if someone said, "How are you?" I'd say, "Yeah, I'm good." But now there's like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's like a subtle pause every time you ask people that question. How are you? And there's a, and it's like, am I going to go there? Am I going to really go there? Or am I just going to say I'm good? Because the last couple of years has been really difficult. And Matt asked me to come and speak about um, parenting on Father's Day. And um, I thought I've got to acknowledge that, um, you know, being a parent's a tough gig. And it's been particularly tough in the last couple of years. So, um... So what I thought I would do today is uh, just share with you guys a little bit of my experience uh, of the last few years, uh, and then share with you a few of um, some things I've gleaned having worked at the Parenting Place for 16 years. I'm very aware that uh, Jenny Hale's sitting in the audience, and um, I've had the privilege of working with Jenny, so half of what I'm going to say I've probably stolen from her. So just a quick caveat there, Jenny. <laughs> hey, um... So I've got a few, uh, a few slides that I want to show uh, about. Um, I, I grew up with Gary Larson as a coffee table. Um, he, anyone here grew up with Gary Larson cartoons? So good. And, um, and I just a little bit of a dive just to sort of see what does Gary Larson have to say about parenting. And uh, I thought some of these are quite appropriate as, we, as I look back on the last couple of years. So here's the first, here's the first one. It's funny when you're living with your kids, you know, and you're in close proximity for weeks on end, just the little things really get under your skin. Uh, next one. Uh, so <clears throat> you start to get a little desperate around techniques to get compliance. Um, this is not something that we would ever suggest at Parenting Place. <laughs> But look, I mean, we've all said and done things to get our kids to, <laughs> to uh, go to sleep. Um, some of them are not great. And then lastly, <laughs> I do wonder what sort of damage my children will have to sit down with a therapist in their adult years to, to uh, you know, undo. But they'll be fine. Um, the other thing, if you've parented through the pandemic, particularly with young kids, is um, you would have watched pretty much every episode of Bluey maybe three or four times. Are there any Bluey fans in there? Yeah. Such a good cartoon. Comes out of Australia. Uh, if you haven't seen it, here's a little clip. I love Bluey, and when I was preparing for um, when I was preparing for this talk, I was telling Harley about this, and just the pressure I feel. Um, when Bluey is in my child's psyche. Um, and I've, I don't know if anyone else felt this way, but I, it's a love-hate relationship I have with Bluey because it's so good and entertaining, and yet I feel so average in comparison to how wonderful they are. And I read an article recently that just put words to this in a way that was so validating. Next slide. This is from Fatherly. The biggest fantasy element of Bluey isn't that they live in a magical world of talking dogs. It's that they live in a world where parents have a limit, limitless time, energy, and creativity to invest in their parenting. Thank you, Bluey. Um, I actually was sharing this with my little boy, and without being prompted, he said to me, and I quote, it's true, you should be more like Bandit, Dad. <laughs> it's like my, I'm, like, I'm so insecure about it. Um, and let's just, I'll be honest, I was nothing like Bandit uh, during the lockdown um, 
because, you know, I was juggling uh, leading parenting place through a pandemic, figuring out what that meant. Uh, we had, I had two little children in close proximity separated by a thin door with a gap under the bottom, which I became very apparent was there. My little girl, um, whose favourite thing was to bang on the door and get my attention, which was cute. Um, but there were times where I didn't handle it particularly well. I remember one incident where... Uh, I could hear the crying in the in the kitchen, and look, little kids. I've got a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. Um, little kids cry. That's it's going to happen. So you're always sort of trying to figure out: is this what is that? What are those tears? Is that like I've just you know cut my finger off tear, or I didn't get you know my sandwich tears, and I was listening to it, and it was sort of escalating, and um, and I was in a meeting, and I'm I'm at I'm at a parenting organisation. And I'm like, I know the thing to do is probably leave, but I didn't. I didn't leave. I totally, I just stayed in my room. I felt guilty. You, you could say it's that I had so much confidence in my wife that I felt that she didn't need me, um, but I felt terrible. And uh, that reminded me of a video that some of you may have seen, and it was, um, it's a, it was a classic video. It went viral, and it was a guy being interviewed on BBC when his kids came into the room. So I just thought, let's just, it's 40 seconds, let's just watch this because it's hilarious. I've thought about that video so much since I saw it because we do do a lot of media at Parenting Place and we've started to do more and more over Zoom. So I'm in my office being interviewed live on TV. Jenny's probably had this dozens of times and I've often thought, what would I do if my little boy came in? And I, I always picture myself, you know, picking him up and involving him in the interview. But let's be honest, I'll probably do that. He's in, he's in full fight or flight, you can see him <laughs> He's so gutted. It's like his one moment where he's like been studying this topic for like probably, you know, three decades. This is his one moment and his daughter or child ruined it. Hilarious. Um, so it's been a stressful time. And um, what's really interesting and something that we're thinking about at Parenting Place is um, what, how can we respond to this particular moment? Because this is... Um, to use a, a phrase that's um, been used a lot, this is unprecedented. And the impact that this lockdown and the uncertainty, or these, this pandemic and the uncertainties that it's caused, um, the stress that it's caused, it's going to be uh, years before we really understand the impact that it's had on families and on children. Um, now, what we know about kids is that they are very resilient, um, and there's lots uh, of reasons why we should feel hopeful. But it's not to say that lots of parents and lots of kids have had pretty terrible experiences over the last few years. And if you're already in a household that's been um, unstable or there's been some challenges, then the last few years have just really added to that. And so this is something we're thinking about as an organisation. How do we respond to that? Um, you know, Jin is on our board, and she's obviously um, got a really interesting perspective uh, having uh, studied population health and thought about it. And um, and so she's been talking to us about what she's observed, which is uh, exhaustion, disruption in families, um, anxieties, financial stress, relationship stress. Um, these are all things that are happening around um, around New Zealand and around the world. Here's a quote um, I took, I got from some international research. The effects that COVID-19 pandemic has had on children and adolescents are versatile and vast, Reduced quality of life, emotional problems, social withdrawal, and symptoms of anxiety and depression have been reported in numerous studies. And um, there's going to be more and more studies done over the coming years that look at not just what happened during the pandemic or during those lockdowns, but then subsequently. 
We're in, living in a time of huge uncertainty and disruption locally, globally. Um, we're navigating uh, climate change. We're navigating um, political shifts. Uh, we're navigating um, disruptions to um, all the supply chains, things we took for granted we no longer can. We're obviously not through the pandemic. Um, there's just a lot to be uh, anxious about. Um, not that we should be anxious, but there's a lot that we could feel anxious about. And our children are being raised in the shadow of this. And as parents, we're trying to figure out what do we do? How do I parent through this? How do I manage technology? How do I manage bullying? How do I manage anxieties? How do I manage uncertainty? Um, and I don't think that's going to change for a while. I think this is part of the human condition. And the last few years have really just, I think, put a spotlight on something that uh, we know implicitly, which is that um, to, to a large degree, uh, we're not in control of our lives. Uh, we can control certain elements, but um, we're also very vulnerable as we parent and as we live. So um, parenting place is one little cog in a big machine that um, exists in New Zealand to help parents, but I'm really proud of the work we do. Um, we were started by Ian and Mary Grant 30 years ago, and Ian um, had a phrase, and I love it, the phrase that I think he's um, coined from Martin Luther, although I didn't find that out till years later. But the quote is, um, we're just one beggar showing another beggar where there's bread. I love the idea of walking alongside families, championing them, supporting them. What um, Jenny does with family coaching is wonderful, coming alongside and telling parents, you've got what it takes. You've got an, you are enough for your kids. Um, validating their, their um, concerns, but also giving them strategies that they can put in place today to make things better. And that's one of the things we often hear is that when parents do approach us, they're at their wit's end, and then um, one insight about their parenting, one affirmation about who they are and, and that they are enough, and one improvement in their family can just shift the attitude, the atmosphere in the home. And, um, and I've been blessed to be able to um, be under that type of positivity and support just by working there. Uh, doesn't mean I get to put it all. In, doesn't mean I put it all in place. Doesn't mean I parent perfectly. Um, but I feel hopeful about my parenting and about the future for my kids. So what I want to do today is I want to share just a couple of ideas. Now I, this is Father's Day, and I'm talking about parenting. But really, I just want to say, parenting is just uh, about our capacity to love others. And actually, whether you're a parent, a grandparent, or not a parent, whether you're a friend, an auntie, an uncle, uh, a colleague, uh, anything I say today is, is transferable to anyone who's in a relationship with others. And so, um, so I hope that you can take something out of this. So here are my, um, here are my uh, I'm going to share three um, simple ideas. Before I do that, though, I do want to throw it to you guys for a minute. So turn to the person beside you, chuck up on the slide the question, and I want you to try and answer this. What is a happy childhood memory you have of your parents? So turn to the person beside you, people around you, just for a couple minutes, try and answer that question. Now, um, there's, a, there's a famous book uh, that came out years ago called, um, the, uh, it's M. Scott Peck, The Road Less Traveled, I think is what it's called. And um, he talks about the fact that everyone has to at some point individuate and realize that they didn't have a perfect childhood, that their parents were human, that they may have let them down, um, and some individuate earlier than others realizing that. But... We can all look back on our childhoods and, um, and see that our parents did the best that they could with the resources they had. And, um, and I'm really interested to know 
if anybody wants to share anything that stood out about a, a happy memory of your parents from your childhood. Just a couple. It would be cool to hear two or three. So <laughs> five of us in this corner, we're, everyone shared about holidays and family holidays being the memories that we, we think back to. Yeah, what about that? <laughs> uh, I guess for me, that's where, that's where we had the most available time, right, with our parents and with dad and stuff in particular. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. How about you guys? Cool. Anyone else want to just quickly share? I'm walking over here. You're gonna, you're, I'm gonna <laughs> you knew I was going to do it, eh? Uh, okay. Um, I think my favourite memory was a fight nights with my dad, where we, for half an hour we just beat him up, and um, and it was just the best ever. And so now when I come to church, I let everyone beat me up. So that's that's a good trade off. Yeah, good. You're just modelling that. You're just passing it forward. Yeah, rough and tumbles. Any other any other um, strong memory anyone wants to share? Yeah. Um, I'd say mine was just like normal dinner times where everyone's just having a laugh, getting on really well. Dad's taking the mick out of everyone. Just in the normal times as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, there's a lovely quote: "Don't um, don't ignore the small things." Because one day we'll look back and realise they were the big things, and um, it's very true, isn't it? So um, so I'm going to share with you a couple of things that have stood out to me as I've reflected um, on my parenting, working now for a parenting organisation. So the first thing I want to talk about when it comes to parenting or relationships in general is speak. Speaking life-giving words. I have the strong memory of um, being in the car once after church. We were up in the car park of the church that I was at, and uh, we were about to go to a friend's house for soup and bread, which we did you know, on many Sunday afternoons. My dad was trying to uh, arrange where that we were going to go, and he said through the window to a friend, uh, so just remind me, your house is the last house on the right of the street, on the end of the cul-de-sac. And I'd been there for a play date a couple of weeks earlier, and so I leant forward. I must have been seven, eight. I leant forward and said, Dad, it's on the left. And my dad turned around, and I had three brothers in the, in the car. We had this wagon with two back seats, you know, extra row of back seats. I was right at the back. And I remember my dad turned around, and in front of all my siblings, he said, Wow, Dave, you've got such a good memory. The other day, uh, or a wee while ago, I said to my dad, hey, do you remember um, when I was about seven and we were in the car and, and I told him the story and he looked at me like, what are you talking about? I have no idea. What? You know, and of course he had no memory of that, but for me as a seven-year-old, my dad just saying that over me, you have such a good memory and whatever else he said, it just, it landed. And we'll never know the words that we say and how they land for our kids. But being a person that speaks life-giving words over our children is so, so important. And um, it's really obvious, but when we're stressed and when we're frustrated and when they're not going to bed and when they're saying boing, 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 boing for the 15th time while we're trying to play a family game, uh, it's easy to, to get to focus on the negatives or the things that frustrate you. And, um, and so one of the things that Jenny used to always say is, does your face light up when your kids come into the room? And what do you say about your children? And, and particularly, what do your children hear you say about them to other people when they're, when they're overhearing? So these are some things that I've um, felt challenged by and something that I'm, I'm trying to do. The other thing about words too is, 
obviously not just the words that we speak over the people around us, but the words that we speak over ourselves as well. And, uh, you know, when things are hard, it's easy to get negative on ourselves too. So obviously being kind to yourself is important. So not rocket science, but I think important. I've got a quote here. And it says this, our kids need to know that we believe in them. They want to know that we're not scared of them failing or messing up. Even though we know they will drop the ball at times, we are able to reassure them that we're on their side and are confident they've got what it takes. They need to know that. Who said that? Next click. Jenny Hale. (laughs) Kind, firm, calm. Go, Jenny. They need to know that, you know, we believe they've got what it takes and uh, we're their biggest champions. We can do that. So that's the first idea. Second one is help them feel known. I'm just going to check time here. Um, we won't, I won't show the video, this next video, but um, <clears throat> uh, we, I was with a friend once and uh, we were actually up at a tangi in Miti Miti, which is about five hours north on the... Um, West Coast, up above Hokianga, and uh, he needed a ride back to Auckland, and so him and I spent about five and a half hours. We almost ran out of petrol, so it turned out to be about six hours, because we had to take a big detour. But on the way, we got to know each other really well, and he was an amazing guy, um, with, was a, with an incredible faith, and he told me this story about his child, and I've never forgotten it. So he was a missionary uh, overseas, and his child got really sick, and they went to a local hospital, and they said, um, we can't help him. This is beyond our skills. You need to get him over the border, otherwise he'll die. And so they got um, an emergency flight, and they got him over the border into uh, a neighboring country that had better medical facilities, and he um, was in hospital for a couple of weeks. And this little guy um, did almost die. And... um, what my friend told me was that this, his little boy was, um, he, he really, really clashed with him. He'd struggled, out of all of his children, he'd really struggled to relate to this particular boy because he was um, combative, he was stubborn, um, they just clashed. And he'd always, uh, he tried various things, different strategies, and just couldn't find anything that would um, help them connect. And so he always felt this disconnect with his son. Um, So he was sitting there in the hospital and his son came through and he was reflecting on um, the sickness with some nurses. And one of the nurses said to him, "Um, gosh, your son, you know, the only reason he survived is because he's so stubborn. He He refused to die. And my friend said to me that in that moment, he was able to reframe something that he'd clashed against his entire life with his little boy, clashed and fought against, felt that it was his role to sort of tame that stubbornness. Um, And all of a sudden, he had it reframed as a real strength. And he said it was that moment that totally changed the trajectory of his relationship with his son. When I think about my children, and when I think about uh, the things that sometimes I find frustrating, um, obviously as a parent, part of my responsibility is to guide them. Um, but more than anything, my responsibility is to love them for who God made them, um, cherish them as they are, help them flourish in the unique skills and personalities that they have, and, uh, and 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking about that for, for my boys. I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be a leader one day if I can help him channel what he has. Um, and so I think one of the greatest gifts we can give uh, our children is to really know them for who they are, love them for who they are, and cherish them for who they are. And, um, and I think, you know, when I look back on my childhood, uh, that was what my dad did. In his life-giving, affirming words, I remember once he said to me, Dave, uh, I love that you're so so sensitive and sympathetic. And this is while I was being bullied at school. And I felt that I was weak. I felt like I was being picked on. And my dad said, actually, no, that's a strength. You're, you're sympathetic. Um, and, and it was something that I was able to live into, something in myself that my dad reflected back to me. And I, um, I felt proud of that. So second thing, how about children feel known? And lastly... Um, Growing secure attachment. The moment you hold your children for the first time, you realize how terrifying it is that you're responsible for this little life. Anyone who's ever held a little baby will know it is a terrifying thing. They are very, very fragile, and we are very vulnerable as parents. And there's so many challenges that our children are facing in 2022, and there are so many questions that we get asked that we can't answer. Um, it's just a, a big, a big challenge and becoming more and more complicated. So we do have some strategies, we do have some tips, but ultimately I think there is there are a few things that we can defer back to to have confidence as we parent and as we love um, in 2022, and that is that. Um, what children need more than anything is not a parent who understands TikTok and not a parent who recognises the perfect thing to say at the perfect moment when our children are feeling anxious, but what our kids need is an adult that is madly in love with them. That's what they need, someone who is championing them on their side. Um, one of the things that I've really appreciated, uh, both of my children, some of you would, have, would know this, both of my children are adopted, and so... One of the things that I've appreciated learning about is the idea of attachment, um, which is the secure bond between a child and a parent. And um, naturally, attachment happens early on in a, in a, in a parent-child relationship. It happens in utero, and then it happens out of that. Um, that's why they often say, I recommend that parents put their children on their skin. That skin-to-skin contact is another way of forming that secure attachment. And children and young, young, you know, young babies learn um, through attachment what's home base, what's safe, what can I come back to that I can trust. And once they feel absolutely safe and confident in their parents, if they can cry and their parent is available, if they, um, if they, if they can cause a reaction in their parents, and they, they, then they build that confidence that their needs are going to be met, that the world is a good place, that they're safe in it, that they can ask for things and get good things, that they can expect good things to happen. That Those are the advantages of a secure attachment. <clears throat> and so... Um, and so it isn't rocket science, but it's uh, one of the things they talk about is um, um, a serve and return interaction, and this is a way to develop uh, secure attachment in children, babies, and any attachment, even if it's broken in, in, um, uh, at a young age, can be rebuilt over time um, by being attuned and attentive to our children's needs. So my little girl will come up to me and she'll tag or tug on my on my jeans and she'll put her arms up and what she's saying is do you see me will you stop what you're doing and hold me and I don't do that all the time but every time I do pick her up 
She's learning that she matters, that she's significant in the world, that she can affect change, that, um, that she can ask and I'll give. And so every time I pick her up, um, I feel that that's an incredibly life-affirming thing. It's so simple, but it's so life-affirming. In fact, the um, uh, brain research actually shows that when we do that, so when our children serve and serve us something and we return it, um, that they're actually literally growing in those first thousand days. Every time you do that, you're growing um, neurological connections that they'll draw on for the rest of their life. So they, they, they say that in the first thousand days, you basically build the infrastructure of your brain and then you draw from that for you know, the next however many. And so every time you um, respond to your child and you pick them up and you love them, you're, there's an explosion of neurological connections in their brain that forms pathways that then they draw from for the rest of their life. So it's, a, it's a quite a cool idea. I remember learning about that from Brainwave Trust and just thinking, gosh, the smallest interaction can actually have just a huge, huge impact on our kids. So growing secure attachment. Now, of course, that, relies, that relates to parenting. But um, equally, as we are people in relationship, as we are attuned to the people around us, our partners, our friends, and as they ask us for our time and attention and as we give it to them, that is, a, um, that is a, an important interaction. So my last point is this, that um, parenting and being in relationships is a sacred task. Um, go to the next quote. This is... Uh, from a theologian, and he says this, to be human is to suffer, so why do we suffer? I think it's worth asking, since it has one obvious answer. We suffer because we are incomplete beings who depend on one another for our existence. Indeed, the matter can be put more strongly. Since we depend upon others, not only for our survival, but also for our identity. Next slide. This is exactly contrary to cherished assumptions. We believe that our identity derives from our independence, our self-possession. The irony is, however, that our neediness is also the source of our greatest strength, for our need requires the cooperation and love of others, from which derives our ability not only to live, but to flourish. That's quite beautiful, isn't it? Last slide. The God we Christians must learn to worship is not a God of self-sufficient power, a God who, is self, who in self-possession needs no one. Rather, ours is a God who needs a people, who needs a son. Absoluteness of being or power is not a work of the God we have come to know through the cross of Christ. There's a lot to uh, absorb there, but, um, but essentially in our vulnerability and neediness of others, we actually find our identity, we find meaning, and also we find the very heart of God who also created us to be in relationship with Him. It's a, it's a quite a confronting idea that this God that we maybe have seen as all-powerful, all-self-contained, um, actually needs us and we need God and that in that relationship um, we find his love. It's quite a beautiful idea. The last quote is from N.T. Wright, and um, I just think this so validates um, the role of parenting, but the role of being in relationship with others and loving people well. God has put humans like an angled mirror in his world so that God can reflect his love 
and care and stewardship of the world through humans. And so that the rest of the world can praise the Creator through humans. When we love well, we are, when we love our children, when we love our friends, when we love the people around us well, we are in that act of love acting like a mirror that is reflecting the nature of God to them. So um, that's the sacred task of being in a relationship. That's the sacred task of parenting. And, uh, and it's uh, comforting to know that we're doing it not alone, but doing it with God. Um, and as we do that, we are acting out um, the image of God in each of us. So um, Parenting Place will always be around to support families, to give them strategies, tools, to point them towards uh, human, uh, to point them towards um, a God-inspired vision of human flourishing and relationships. Um, but we also know as parents that we're, we're doing that alongside with God, with His support, and, um, and that He is a, actually a God who's longing to do it with us, who's saying, come to me and do this with me. Um, so let me just quickly pray, um, and then I'll hand it over to Matt. So, me'inoi tato. Eternal Spirit, Earth Maker, Pain Bearer, Life Giver, Source of all that is and shall be, Father and Mother of us all, Loving God in whom is heaven, unfold each family here with your grace. May your home be a place. May their home be a place of your presence, your forgiveness, and your freedom. May your will be done in them and through them this day and forever. Amen.